Hello and welcome to another exciting and informative episode of The Rogues in the House, a podcast dedicated to all things sword and sorcery related, delivered with 100% enthusiasm by self-proclaimed experts. So fill your flagon and pull a chair up to the fire as The Rogues in the House tell you tales of high adventure. So welcome back, Rogues. It's been a while since we've all been in the same uh, virtual room together, the same virtual tavern. It's been almost three weeks, hasn't it? Yeah. And we've got a we've got a unique makeup here of uh, Rogues. That's we've right. all been on the show before, but not uh, us three at the same time. Yeah. Who is it? Well, let me tell you, <laughs> we got our our uh, <laughs> our master of technical affairs, G Money Geiken. There you go. And uh, we've also got uh, returning uh, for the third time, I do believe. Oh. We got uh, Murph Dog, uh, <laughs> aka the Murph, <laughs> the Murph, uh, Brian, uh, Brian Big Dog Murphy. There you All go. right, yeah. I am pleased to be back on Riff with uh, yeah. I'm part of the, this power trio here. Well, yeah. we're kind of like Rush. Yeah. <laughs> we're all we've all master musicians in our own right. We put three right. of us together and. Something special. So Imagine Canadian. <laughs> yeah. I, I got it. Now I'm thinking, I guess Dean, since he's just doing so much of the technical and he's like in the chair and I mean, he's got to be yep. Neil. Neil. He's got to right? be Neil. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know who I am in rush. I can't sing that. High. Uh, <laughs> I'm going Getty. I think I look a little bit more like Alex Lifeson. Okay. So uh, fly by night away from here. Let's go. All right. Canadian pride. Woo. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, before we get into our subject, we always like to take a little trip into the uh, the bazaar of the bazaar. Or no, I always get that backwards. Why do I always screw that up? But it is the bazaar of the bazaar. Yeah, I think that does it on purpose. I think uh, I feel like it's intentional. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, because it's such a bizarre couple of words. <laughs> yeah. Fritz, Fritz anyhow, let's take a little trip yeah. into the uh, bizarre of the bizarre. So who wants to go first? What's been on your mind? What's caught your attention? What has piqued your interest? I got one. I got a good one. Something I'm quite excited right. for. Cool. Let's hear it. Okay. Fire away. That means I'm going first. Mm -hmm. uh, just to begin, uh, we probably should have introduced uh, Brian for those who may have missed previous shows. It's Brian Murphy, the author of Flame and Crimson. Uh, what's the subtitle? A Guide to Sword and Sorcery? A History of Sword and Sorcery. A History of Sword and Sorcery. Yeah. So again, really can't recommend enough. You should read that book. If you've not yes. and you have found yourself in this weird haunt, that is a book for you, my friends. Yes. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm working with this guy. I'm trying to convince him that he needs to turn it into an audiobook. Yeah, uh -huh. it's not a bad idea, Dean. I, uh, That's not a bad idea. Audiobooks was, are hot. Yeah, he recommended I actually read it myself, but I, I like everyone else. I don't like to hear the sound of my own voice, and I don't you're not gonna, you're not listen gonna listen to, to it. Fifteen you're, hours of it, or yeah, you won't listen to it. Other people will, and yeah, I do had, believe that when an author reads a book of their own creation, that it gives more gravitas to it. I think it does. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, it certainly yeah. could. Yeah. No, I'm an audio book guy. I'm not, I'm not opposed to it. I'll find the time and Dean, you can be the producer. There we go. And honestly, I think you got the voice for it too. Like, frankly, 
You think so? Yeah, I do. I do. I think it's not, I'm not match on, but I'm doing my best here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you could hire Mr. Matt John. Well, to do Arnold voice throughout the entire thing. Uh, how about this? How about I, I read the main text and I have sidebars in there for, at the end of most of the chapters. I have Matt come in and read those with an Arnold voice. I mean, yeah. that, that, that would just kick some ass. Oh, my or anytime, God. anytime, anytime <laughs> the Arnold films are referenced. <laughs> Imagine that. My just voice random. cuts in on those sentences. It's awesome. And then in 1982, there was the John Milius picture, Conan the Barbarian. It was great. We did not shoot it in California. But we tried. <laughs> All right, sorry. <laughs> so I have my bizarre pick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so we'd all heard about it. Um, Willow was picked up. Well, not picked up. Disney owns it now. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they always did. But Disney decided a while back for Disney Plus they were going to do a, a series um, based on, or a, I mean, a sequel series to Willow. There were tons of questions about it, right? Like, what's that going to be? And there's some we don't know. I don't think we know how many episodes or anything. But uh, we caught the teaser trailer this last week. And man, I mean, first of all, say what you will about Willow. If you, you know, if you don't, if you don't have it in the nostalgia bank, perhaps it's it's uh, it's a little flat for you. That's okay. But. And let me also preface by saying, I try not to watch trailers anymore. Now, this is something I really want to see. Mm -hmm. No, sorry. If it's something I really want to see, I tend to not have to watch it because it's like I'm already going. So I'm trying to trim that back a bit. Um, but for things that like I know I'm going to see and I'm, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't watch, I tend not to watch trailers. And then when I do, I only watch them the one time. I've only watched the Willow trailer the one time. And I got to tell you, it was like the most exciting trailer I've seen in a long time. I, that's, I, that's saying something because you were on fire hot for the Northman. Yeah, but I, yes. And, but the Northman wasn't, it wasn't about that trailer, right? It was because I wanted about, to see the director's next film and right, yeah. the subject matter was interesting. Vikings. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, you know, it was right up my alley, but Willow is something that like, I don't know, they could resurrect that and it could be bad. I mean, it's arguably not excellent as it is. Although I could probably, I'd wade into that argument. Mm -hmm. Anyways, <laughs> got a big soft spot for that movie. And uh, the trailer looked really good. Like, you know how people say, oh my God, I got chills. I hate it when people say that, by the way. But you <laughs> Even did. if it's true. No, I didn't. Oh. I didn't. <laughs> if but I, I say that on the show at all times, check me on that. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have Dean remove it in post-production. Yeah. I, hey, listen, it's fine. I, I get it. I get it. Just, it annoys me when I hear it. It gave me chills. The new Walking Dead trailer gave me chills. Like, that shouldn't give you chills. Relax. Yeah. If that's what gives Re you relax. chills, you lead relax. a sad life. <laughs> uh, anyways, what I did do, though, was I, like, I pumped my fist in the air at the end. Like, I was watching it, and I just involuntarily fist pumped. I've never done wow. that. Holy yeah, cow. I, I need to see this. I have not seen it. Okay. And in fact, I, I, have, I, I haven't seen Willow since the 80s when it came out. I, I, uh, I do have some hazy, uh, you know, lukewarm nostalgia for that. I enjoyed it enough as a kid, but I, it's not a movie I ever went back to like Excalibur a thousand times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 1982 Conan the Barbarian just hasn't had that. But, I, hey, I'm interested. 
Well, I did see the trailer and I did watch Willow again at because we were planning on a Willow episode. We will. We will do one. Yeah. We and so I with Alex, though. And Matt is always assigning homework. Uh, <laughs> it's it's not even true. It's like, what do you guys want to do for the show? So I pitch an idea and then we do it. It's or the teacher do. in him. It's the teacher in him. Wait a minute. Uh, I just found out about the show like five minutes ago. Right, well, <laughs> anyway, um, I don't have as much nostalgia for the show, the Willow movie as i as matt does i rewatched it and i found that i still didn't have it but i will have to agree that that trailer piqued my interest and matt you hit it on the head and i'm really really upset to say this and to agree with you that trailer had more excitement in it for me who's not even a fan of the willow show than the rings of power trailers did for me for the lord of the rings prequel that's coming out yeah. And that's kind of scary. Yeah. And I'd like to think things like that are kind of apples to oranges. Like it doesn't need to, but right. But, but in this situation, I mean, the willow is like dollar store, Lord of the Rings anyways. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's yeah. like that comes around and, and I'm telling you, it's got to be a fraction of the budget of the rings of power. And I don't think the rings of power looks bad. I'm, I'm no, I'm, but it looks like there's more heart and more, I don't know. Yeah. There's, something there's, in it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Willow looked like it had its its stuff together. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, maybe it, I mean, Disney can cut a trailer. Of course they can. They're the ultimate marketers in the world. Right. But a trailer um, is all the best stuff that will appeal to the most people at yeah. one time. But in its entirety, it could be complete crap. The series. Well, yeah. And I had been wondering if um, what they were going to do with Val Kilmer. Right. Val Kilmer had cancer and he has a. Uh, I don't know what you call it, a trachea, tracheotomy tube, I think. Yeah. So it's really? like, a, okay. yeah. So when he speaks, it's going to sound, um, I don't know what the word is, but yeah. I, if you watch this documentary called Val, which is actually a pretty good watch. Wasn't um, he, was, was he just in the new um, Top Gun? Movie I heard, well? I heard he was, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen it. But Iceman. Yeah. He is. He is an admiral. He has progressed in rank and, uh, in the movie, I've not seen the movie, but I've been kind of catching up on stuff because I do want to go see it. But yeah, he has a speaking part in it, and uh, it's apparently noticeable. I'm sure they did some type of production on it to make it a little sure. bit clearer. Yeah, I guess what they did was they they used old um, recordings of his voice hmm. and used an AI or some kind of interesting to to uh, to make it work. So that will wow. be interesting. And and so it turns out he factors into uh, Willow as well, though we did not see him in the trailer. Yeah. Um, I would just say, uh, Brian, if you're going to rewatch it, like if for no other reason, just Val Kilmer's performance in that movie is wicked. Like he's, he's Han Solo. I mean, mm-hmm. really, it's a, he's the Han Solo role. But to me, like he was as good. Someone's going to hold this against me later in life. But to me, his performance in that movie, that character, yes, he was very Han Solo, but he was as good as Han Solo. He's as memorable as Han Solo, in my opinion. And it's probably because wow. when I watched that movie, but he's just, he plays that charismatic rogue amazing. And he has an arc. Um, yeah, I think it's really great. Was, was he as good as his role uh, in Tombstone as Doc Holliday? To me, that's the mm. definitive Val Kilmer there. Man, I'm with yeah. you there, Brian. That's an <laughs> awesome movie. And yeah. I would have to say no, but it's, again, apples and oranges type of thing. Right. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, certainly he's more famous for his work yeah. on Tombstone. And, and yeah. it's more, more beloved, beloved, I think. Uh, I mean. He set the stage for 
any Doc Holiday in any future. You oh know, man, yeah, he was so good. You'd had an OK Corral film, so scene with a tin cup. I mm-hmm. love that. Oh man, <laughs> and who was the guy? The Bane, Mike was it, uh, the guy from the Terminator who was this arch rival there in the movie. Did uh, somebody say the Terminator? <laughs> <laughs> it always comes. It always goes back. Uh, who who was it? Was Robert and the Terminator? Which one? Terminator two. Terminator one. Um, the guy who comes back to to uh, kill the Terminator. Kill the Terminator. What the hell was John it? John Connor. Oh, Kyle Reese. Yes. Kyle okay. Reese. Michael yeah. Michael Bean. Michael Michael Bean. Bean. Yeah. He there was you go. a foil. Yeah. yeah. Got you. Got you. Yeah. Yes, I remember him there. So, uh, Brian, you got anything for the uh, the bazaar? Yeah. So of course I had to go sword and sorcery because. Well, that's what I'm all about. I don't I don't bathe in sword and sorcery books, but this is my thing. Uh, so, but this one was very fortuitously timed. I just got this in the mail today. I'm holding it up. I know this is a podcast, so no one can see it. This is a um, a new book. Uh, actually, it's a reprint of a 2016 book with apparently some new material in it. It's called uh, Thune's Vision, and it is by Skylar Hernstrom. So I don't know if you guys have heard this name. It's no. it's a very mm-hmm. distinctive name. Um, he is, in my opinion, my opinion, the the most talented voice to come along in sword and sorcery in the last couple of years. Um, wow. There are some really good modern sword and sorcery authors working today that I love that I always recommend. You know, our friend Scott Oden, Howard Andrew Jones, mm-hmm. um, others certainly. But this guy um, was turned on to him. I forget somewhere. I was reading some reviews of him and I gave him a shot. I've been trying to give new sword and sorcery a shot. You know, sword and sorcery has a reputation of being something that kind of died off in the 80s, at least commercially. And I'm trying to support it. And I've been hearing some good things about uh, Skylar Hernstrom, who had had a few stories that were released in um one of the uh, one of the big magazines. I'm getting the name of it now. I hadn't read them in their original form. They were collected in. Yeah, it doesn't matter right now anyway. But recently, uh, DMR Books put out a collection of these stories, and I'm going to butcher the name because I, I can never say this name. I reviewed the damn book. It's called The Eye of S O U N N U. I'm going to call it The Eye of Sonu. I don't know that that's correct. So no, no, perhaps no idea, but man, it blew me away. They, they republished this 2020. Um, it's sort of sword and sorcery, but also sword and planet. It's got a lot of classic throwbacks. It's sort of, it is absolutely in no way a pastiche, but it captures the old sword and sorcery feel, but with a modern, more modern style. And the thing about Skylar Hernstrom is he's just a damn good writer. He's not trying to ape anyone else. There's some definite strains of Jack Vance to his writing, some Clark Ashton Smith, um, even maybe some Paul Anderson in there. Um, I love those. And so um, he actually started up with a new, with, with a small print printing house. Um, what's the name of them? Pylum Press. They did a, a Kickstarter and they had a very modest goal of raising like $6,000 to just to do the printing costs and such. And of course, I backed it. And today in the mail, I was treated to this hardcover of Thune's Vision. Will so that I be a very much looking forward to reading this and reviewing it? Will that be available retail at any point? It's a good question. I don't know. 
I don't know. I hope it is. In fact, I, I think this guy, it's, he should be signed by a major publishing house. You know, I really do. Mm. I think he's that good. His stuff is excellent. Um, so, highly recommended. That's a, that cover looks rad. It's you like, know, yeah. it's, it's very, it's trippy. It's weird in a, in, in a, both in a actually being weird, but also weird fiction way. It's got, yeah. it's a, so for those that can't see this and obviously you can't, it's sort of a, it looks like a, it's almost like a, a hoplite helmet, like a Greek helmet, but mm -hmm. it's got funky designs all over it. It's got a wreath of flowers. Mm. It looks like there are some horns jutting out of the top. They're kind of cut off. Um, That's my favorite yeah. thing, man. I, th I think I, I don't know if it was here. I don't know when, the, when, or, when or where I was discussing it, but the juxtaposition of something hard and or, and or dark or brutal with something beauty, soft, flowers, something yeah. just like... Like, I love that. Like, honestly, a butterfly. I know this sounds weird, but it is both <laughs> of those things. If you look at it, the wings are, de are deceiving, right? Yeah. They're the part that's like beautiful and strange. But when you look up close to those things, they're like nasty alien creatures. Right. You're right. Yeah. Especially under you know? a microscope. Absolutely. But that's, I mean, and if you blew that, yeah. If you had a giant butterfly coming after you, <laughs> goddamn horrified. Yeah. <laughs> That's my way of saying, yeah, I love the contrast on that cover. I think that's, it's rad. Yeah. It's and by cool. the way, he was, he was published in a Cursova magazine, which oh, I, I, yeah. um, I, I don't know a lot about them, but they, they published some sword and sorcery. And I've just had to mention one last thing. He, he has two characters and I believe he's going to be doing a collection purely about these guys. Um, uh, Mortu and Kairos. They're an interesting pair. Well, I'll leave it at that. One of them is like a wizard trapped in a monkey's body. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, the other guy, I think, is a little bit more of a heroic warrior type figure. Um, he's uh, and it, it's but the thing about it is it's like post-apocalyptic. So more to is like a motorcycle rider, you know, just a dude in the wastelands, a little bit of a Mad Max feel like the stories are all over the place. They surprise you. They're, they're, they can't be pigeonholed, but they have a, an amazing sword and sorcery vibe. Sounds very metal yeah. as well. Very it's super metal. metal. He's, yeah. I think he's a metal dude. This guy, if you want to, you want to spend a few idle minutes, go look him up. He's got a really interesting background. Oh, I, I will. Yeah. He was named his his father named him after um, a guy by the name of P. Schuyler Miller, who was famous in Robert E. Howard circles. He was. Co-author with this guy John D. Clark of a probable outline of Conan's career. Oh yeah, I have seen yeah, that, yeah. and yeah. Uh, yeah. The, I have seen so, that. Yeah, and his dad was a huge fan. His house was loaded up with you know all the the sword and sorcery, Jack Vance sort of oh. added stuff, and got into this and became a writer. Mm. Pretty That's cool. Rad. Yeah. Mm. So this. Yeah, I've, I've I've heard the name, but like did not ring out to me. Um, yeah. but what your, your, your testament here is telling me I should pick that up. Yeah. Rad. Cool. Been looking uh, for something new to read. Yeah. So G money. Ah, yes. Some of you dog. <laughs> it's time for my little stroll down the, uh, streets of the bazaar. Um, of late, as you probably all know, if people who've listened to the podcast, I'm kind of a gamer geek and I've been on a bit of a jag of playing older games that have collected too much dust on the shelf of late and You're board games right board, board games, games and rpgs and rpgs nice. i picked up uh by chance 
two very pristine copies of the original red box mold Dungeons oh. and Dragons, 1982, oh, yeah. 83, something like that, right? The red and blue box. The, the Elmore cover? Oh, man. No, no, no. This is the Errol oh, Otis not cover. not that one. Errol Otis. Errol yeah. Otis cover. We're going to, not to interrupt you, Dean, we'll, sure we'll get to this later, but that's one of my entry points. Right. That very box. Well, that's also one of my... Uh, Why can't I visualize this? Errol Otis, D&D? Errol oh, Otis, yeah. D&D. Do, uh, search Moldvay, M-O-L-D-A-V-Y. Red box D and D. That's the one. Anyway, yeah. I picked it up and I reread the rules and I was just flooded with nostalgia and everything. And yeah. I thought, you know what? My players have been getting bogged down with rules and stats and things like this. And I presented to them. I said, would you guys like to play an early version of D and D? And they were game for it because one of the players, the regular players was missing. And we had a brilliant time a brilliant time <laughs> and they were like this is cool this is so much fun this is so much more role-playing than roll as with a dice or you know uh, uh it's more role-playing R -O -L -L role playing. yeah yep. instead of r-o-l-l -L playing and we're going to revisit it again um and then i've also been playing some older board games too from my childhood which will relate to our topic here in a bit um and I'm finding out that there's a lot of value and entertainment still left in these old games that have been essentially dismissed as they're not worth it anymore because they don't have 52 pages of rules and miniatures that are like, you know, down to the nth degree detailed and stuff like that. But I'm telling everybody who's listening that if you're a gamer and you've got games from the past, dust those puppies off, mm -hmm. pull them out play them once or twice especially with somebody who is younger like uh, matt if you were to play i don't know if you have any old games from your childhood play them with your kids yeah like hero that, quest is one i have yes that is an amazing feeling yeah. to share that you know mm -hmm. you're you're reliving a part of your childhood and playing it with your children it's mm -hmm. amazing yeah, I've done it. I've done with with my daughter. We played Dungeon Exclamation Point. Yes, uh, yeah. the old TSR game. Mm -hmm. That is cool. Yeah, that's a. I mean, that's I have. Well, actually, that's going to be one of the things I can talk about. <laughs> but I have the I have the memories of. Uh, maybe should we just jump into? It? Well, I got down the primrose. No, 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 well, no. We shouldn't because there needs to be an order to this. Yeah, um, there is, and that's part of the reason that I was going into this because I like good segues. Mm. Um, and you know I, I, what, what I'm saying is that was my thing that has really caught my eye or my attention and my, my passion right now is to play some of these old games that have been forgotten about. And I'm talking board games and RPG games and things like that, because there's still some value to it. And especially if you can introduce it to somebody who is younger than you, and I don't mean like two or three younger years, younger than you, I'm talking like decades, potentially younger than you, because I think they deserve to experience some of that wonderfulness that we experienced also. Right. And maybe that's the thing that leads them into something. I'm actually on tomorrow, sometime in the afternoon, sitting down with my daughter. We were going to do it on the actual 40th anniversary. We're watching the 82 Conan. Wow. With my daughter. And she's okay. never seen it. So we're sitting down tomorrow and watching that. And I can't wait to see what her impression is of it. She knows how much it means to me. I'm just curious 
how she's going to take it. Now you realize there's some beheadings and nudity. And oh, okay. yeah. She's she's <laughs> she's 22 years old. She's OK. OK. All right. I had no idea how old she was. Yeah. I saw it when I was about 11 or 12 and yeah. I was supposed to close my eyes for that movie. And yeah. Right. My dad, my dad fell asleep and the rest is history. Yeah. So to segue into <laughs> this, we are here today to talk about our origin stories. Everybody loves an origin story. Hell, that's what the entire Marvel universe is based on right now is origin <laughs> stories. <laughs> so um, the three of us got together and we decided that we were going to uh, regale everybody with our origin stories, how we got to, um, I don't know, Matt, you put it together pretty well on a succinct question in one of our Facebook posts or not Facebook, but Facebook messengers, um, how we got to where we are now, what made us the geeks and the nerds that we are now. Yeah. Or, what, you know, what was the kindling, man? What yeah. was the, what was the smack? You know, right. Kept us yeah. coming back for more. Um, super soul <laughs> soldier serum. What was yeah, that? Super soldier serum. <laughs> yeah. And you know, uh, I did do my homework, man. I even wrote down lots of notes. That's a double-sided piece of paper with very yeah. small print. Yeah. We, we didn't actually, Logan, we didn't let him come on because his origin story sucks. He was like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. He was like, well, um, you see, I started getting into sword and sorcery like two years ago. And uh, <laughs> dad, my dad got me death stalker as a free VHS. It was weird. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding, Logan. He can defend uh, himself Logan. at the next episode. Yeah, he's going to come in and be like, of course, he didn't watch The Wire. I was like 10 when it came out. <laughs> and I was like, all right, whatever. Excuses, excuses. I, I, I wasn't, uh, you know, I was listening to Black Sabbath in like 1999 was when I was listening to Black Sabbath. Yeah. So how do we want to I mean, go about no this? No excuses, we, Logan. Yeah. Every time I think of Logan, I just think of him trying to spit in the mask and he can't because he's supposed to get lowered into the shark cage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the red uh, they got no spit. <laughs> Oh, Sorry, Logan. I know you're. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> so I no, think Lo we should. Uh... Logan takes har harsh takes on people, so we're going to uh, on yeah. products. So he's getting yeah. it too. He's getting it back. He can't defend himself. Army so... of Darkness <laughs> is a good movie, Logan. It is. We enjoy it. It's fun. <laughs> Carry on. Yeah. So how about we just take turns and we kind of give a, a a synopsis of mm -hmm. how we got to where we are today? I mean, um, you guys can go. Uh, I think we all have some special stories. Yeah. Do you have those questions handy, Dean? I do. Let okay. me see if I can find them. Uh, yeah. I mean, we can just riff, but. Um... Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, his first question was, um, in short, what made you a nerd about <laughs> this stuff? Looking back, what at what point was the deal sealed? Was it a hobby, a show, a book? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, during this time as we're, you know, we won't talk over each other, but, you know, certainly expand and ask questions of each other. And, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that just to be clear, that question um, is not suggesting what's the one thing. It's, no. no. It's like, what's what 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 pieces contributed to the genesis of you still? You know, we're all a sum of our, I'm, our I'm the parts, youngest you know? and I'm I'm about to turn 40. So, mm -hmm. you know, we've been around and we've dug these things since we're kids. That's decades and decades, man. I'm pushing 50, born in 1973. So I, yeah. I grew up in the early 80s. And yeah, I got a lot of history there. I mean, I, I don't know who wants to start. Matt, do you want to go first? You want me to? 
Hop in uh, here. Should we go with youngest to oldest, and then Dean can talk about World War II and the struggles he had? <laughs> and he can okay. pull, out, pull out some of his armaments as well. Yeah, there you go. Show us. Uh, I mean, sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> you you want me to go? Yeah, yeah. I love right. that idea. Unless you think it's better to progress from time immemorial to the present. <laughs> <laughs> well, if Logan was here, we would go all the way back to 1997 <laughs> when he was born or whatever. Uh, he was collecting Pokemon and smashing uh, pumpkins that was... just broken up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he was he was busted up about it. He was broken up. No, he was smashed up about it. So like, God <laughs> damn it. I'm sorry. Okay, so or Logan. <laughs> for me, I wrote um, I mean, honestly, one of the things on my list was um Willow. Mm-hmm. Like I was talking to a few friends of mine, and there's a few particular films that got rewatched a lot. Um and I think between the films, the games, um, and and to an to for me, honestly, lesser extent, books. I always read off and on, but I was never a voracious reader until I uh till high school is when I started reading a lot more. And then university I became what I had to do. And then I became like, you know, a champion, could read, could crush novels. Um so I, I don't know. I can't pinpoint the exact thing. Obviously, I've gone gone on at length about the Masters of the Universe. Um, that provided a certain aesthetic and an appropriateness for children to watch. You know, like you can you can hammer on that show all you want, but the fact is, <laughs> maybe it's the worst of what we think of as cliche sword and sorcery, but it's giant muscly dudes with furry underwear. Oh, yeah. And there's skull-faced villains. And there's swords of power and, you know. And it had the toys too, which I know, yeah. you know, you, you, you've continued with. And then the new figures look amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I honestly, I hadn't been collecting action figures in any significance for many, many years. This is just a recent thing where the nostalgia came back and I got back into it. But so Matt, yeah, I- when I was younger, that was a, the action figures was a big deal. And I'm not, we played outside. We made mm-hmm. we built forts out of sods. Like it was wicked. <laughs> Hmm. But that Go was ahead, a question uh, I want to ask you about that because Brian brings up a good point. Um, and I don't know if anybody really thought about it in their homework. Uh, the toys you played with. Um, yeah. Uh, we all played with. So you saying you said you didn't collect the He-Man toys as a kid? No, no, no. I, I did as a kid. As a kid, oh, okay. I was way into them. Uh, what I mean is as an adult collector, um, it was when I was really quite an adult. I bought okay. the odd thing here or there, you know, that I thought was really cool, like McFarlane Conan toys and things like that. But I had been, you know, war game miniatures, paint them mm. all, use them for D&D. Right. Um, but I got lazy about painting and now I've been buying all these uh, action figures. But funny, you should bring it up. One, one of the things that really sticks in my mind is, and I don't know if you guys remember these, there was a, um, there were these Dungeons and Dragons storybooks illustrated by Timothy Truman, I believe. Yeah. Um, uh, War Duke was in there. Kellick, the wizard. Um, well, I and, had all those figures. Yeah. Yeah. So you had the toys, right? Oh and yeah. We. Here's one thing I will say: in in Canada, there's just certain lines that either I missed out on them because I was a little too young, or they just never came at all. And I know, like, back in when I was a child, I couldn't get Marvel action figures. They were just not available. We would take. Uh, family trips to like Maine 
and I would, my mind would be blown. I would have saved like $200 and bought like a ton. Um, so availability in Canada always kind of sucked, but I had this one figure I got at a flea market uh, and it was Elkhorn the dwarf. Yep. And he was from, uh, he was from that line. And that figure was so precious to me. He had the little round buckler and he had the yellow. yellow yeah. See, I shoulder. didn't even, I didn't even have his, his accessories. Oh, shit. And I, I, so <laughs> I, I basically gave him other accessories. Um, and he reminded me of uh, the dwarf from uh, golden Axe, And, you know, that's one of those little pieces that kind of, it just sticks right out in my mind. Yep. Um, so for me, yeah, the action figures, certainly. Hero Quest was a big one. Mm-hmm. I remember playing that a lot. But even before that, um, I have very fond memories of going to my grandfather's cottage. And there, like I had an uncle and he was an artist, like an actual trained artist, like really good painter and a sculptor. Um, but he was into Dungeons and Dragons and he was kind of the gateway. Um, uncle Danny. And so... I remember, I, I remember times at the cottage where we would play dungeon cause he had it there and we learned to play it. That sticks out in the brain. That will never die. I bought it. I played it with my kids. Um, and I remember running around the cottage cause there's all these different zones, right? There's like the wharf and then there's the gazebo and there's the weird basement downstairs and you find yourself a good stick. You got yourself a good sword. It was almost like a Gary Gygax module with your little different counter areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Funnily <laughs> enough, those Gary Gygax modules were something else I inherited from my uncle, right? And those are the sort of images that have stayed with me. And I remember running around that cottage pretending I was these characters. Um, and I, uh, the, the other thing that really stands out is I'll never forget is, I've brought this up on the show before, Conan the Barbarian uh, issue 101. He's on the cover. He's fighting a, a, a Kushite and he's got a, a spear. They're fighting over a log and underneath is this ravenous spider drawn by John Busima. And I remember being at my cottage where there's this little plank out to the wharf and I would be on that thing with like an old broomstick and I was reenacting that scene as a kid. And uh, those are the things that just, I'm talking in my very younger years, stayed with me. Um, and then of course, you know, Dungeons and Dragons came into it. Uh, and I have, again, my uncle Danny, he was into it. He'd played with his friends. He was a little older than my older brother and I. And he would come down on Sundays and he would uh, DM, like it was a quest or a campaign he'd already run with all of his friends, right? And he had his world and everyone else played it. My older brother, um, his friends were all there. And I always thought that was super cool because my older brother was like the coolest dude to me. He kind of was he man, (laughs) but we go down in the basement and we're playing this game. And I think the older kids, they would have been late junior high, probably when I would have been playing this. And I was in like grade five or six and the opportunity to do that with someone who knew what they were doing with these older kids, Mm -hmm. I was just like silent, right. But listening paying attention, but I didn't want to rock any boats because it was such a special thing for me. And um, so, but I think for me, it was like, it was groundbreaking. It was amazing. I was a changed person after playing Dungeons and Dragons with these older kids and then, you know, in my uncle. And uh, it was clearly a bigger thing for me than it was for them, right? 
like they all went onto the things. But me and my buddies from that point on, we played D and D the whole time. There is a power in that game, and especially as you said, Matt, being introduced yeah. by older players. Because I was the same. My my, I have a brother who's three years older than me, and he was playing mm -hmm. with his friend who's the same age. And I went in there. I somehow begged and borrowed and stole to get into the game because um, um, I was a young, annoying younger brother. Yeah. And I was, exactly. I, it, it, I, it transformed me. You know, we all had to bring over our own little lead miniature at the time. And it might've been village of Hamlet. We were playing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it just, you're in awe of, first of all, being in that group of people and seeing that, yeah. seeing that other people can enjoy something like that. It, 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 it justifies the game, you know, it makes it, yeah. first of all, it's great subject matter and it's an, it's a wonderful game, but, but the fact that you see older people enjoying it, you're like, mm -hmm. yeah, this is this, maybe this isn't as nerdy as I thought you can, you can break out of that shell you, that you might be in as a kid. You're afraid to express mm -hmm. who you are. Yeah. And it brings that out. Yeah. Dean, I don't want to to burst. No, no, no. I'm just, got? I just have my hand up so that we don't talk over <laughs> each other. Um, what I think is funny, you, you mentioned on something, how it was so impactful for you and, and it has led you to this point. Mm -hmm. Um, but I had this, I'm not going to steal my own thunder, but I had a similar experience. But what I want to remark upon is there was other people that played that game, but it didn't hook them like it did us. I'm, and that is something to me that is incredibly intriguing is what about that game or what is it about the people who played that game that it got its hooks into mm. that made it such an influential game for their lives? Or what about the time that they were exposed to it, right? Or, or some, the or the, yeah. or the circumstances, or the setting, yeah, yeah. anything, yeah, 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 all of it. Like, so, yeah, I remember, like, because because my older brother was very cool, right? He was cool. He was the one the the girls wanted. He was the one all of his friends thought he was the coolest. And I mean, he really he was just an exceptional person. Mm -hmm. And so, for me to like watch because the cool dude playing D and D in the basement on a Sunday. And he, and he, he had like the nerdy friends around him. Right. Like he wasn't somebody who would like, uh, he, he, he would be cool with the jocks, cool with the nerds, but he kept the people close who were nice. And so, uh, you know, just being welcomed into that scene, just mm -hmm. for me, I was sold, but I think it's too, that, my imagination has just always been huge. Yeah. I mean, Can I ask another question? Um, yeah. It's about the books. You said you were a voracious reader, and I'm going to relate about how I came to mine. But how did you find the books? I mean, what, who, what, where did you get that first book that said to you, oh, my gosh, what am I reading? You know? Hmm. You asking me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, it's your story. Uh, yeah, no, I know. I, I didn't know if we were, because I've been blabbing for a while. That's all I'm saying. Uh, we'll have we'll, our time. We'll all have your time, yeah. Uh, so there's a few things for me. Um, Lord of the Rings actually came later. It was more high school. There was a couple of books in, uh, as I was younger than that, <laughs> one was actually Doom, like the video game, based on the video game. Now, of course, this isn't sword and sorcery related, but it's... Um, there were, there were these novelizations based on the video games and the first two were dope as hell. Like it was basically a guy stuck on Mars, hell's breaking loose, literally. And yep. he's shotgunning, he's wrecking house. 
and all the <laughs> like all the touchstones from the games were there. Yeah. And I read that book, both of those books, many, many times before I even read Lord of the Rings because they were just so badass. I think some of those movie novelizations are great for kids to get into. I remember reading sure. Return of the Jedi. I, I read the novelization before I saw the film. Mm. And when I was watching the film, I was thinking of how close it was to the book, which of course was the opposite. But they they sort of they're almost easy reading by nature because they're just sort of describing they're they're riffing off the script itself or even the movie mm. itself. And they're easy to follow and I think they're a great introduction for a kid. So Doom, yeah. Yeah, Doom. And it wasn't, it was not even based on a movie. It was based on a video game where you're a walking gun, which is mm -hmm. very strange. But um, yeah, so that was one uh, in the old, not like the fighting fantasy books, not like the Ian Livingstone ones, but um, it was, they were Dungeons and Dragons official and they were choose your own adventure official. Mm -hmm. And so I remember the, mountains of it was dungeon of dread yeah was one that i really loved and then there was mountains of something also really loved that one and there was another one called king's quest king's king's quest i think it was like this early viking dude who was like walking around with this kid and they fought a spy a spider i remember it being described as big as a horse and that just like Spider villains always really kind of stuck with me. They freak you out. Yeah, man, they freak you out. So those were kind of my books prior to high school when I met Robert E. Howard and Tolkien. Um, and I mean, you know, when you read like that, the scene with Conan versus Bale, the strangler scene, yeah. you read about oh, yeah. Thack, the man ape. Um, yeah. those, those things are so original and so just batshit. <laughs> but it's just such, there's just testosterone dripping off of them right oh yeah that kind of stuff had a big impression very um, different than a lot of the fantasy i was reading at the time too yeah. mm -hmm. the robert e howard stuff just yeah yeah um, and then, and then well and, and i think too just as i got through because i'm kind of going through the years here um when i got to high school and i started listening to like black sabbath and led zeppelin and i realized there was a lot of fantasy infusion into those lyrics yep the whole thing was just sold for me. And then I became Conan fanatic and I started buying up, you know, issues of uh, Savage Sword of Conan. And uh, yeah, man, I just want to get into that there. too, Matt. It's sort of that whole era seemed to feed into itself. It was yeah. Like you turned to music and there it was, you know, there were these influences that kept filtered through the band and there yeah. your video games and your Saturday morning cartoons like Thundar. Yeah. It was like it was just one big thing and they all contributed to, I think, who we are today. Yeah. It's hard to pin it down to one thing. Sounds like yeah. it's a good segue for Brian to go. All right. Well, I got a hard, I got a tough act to follow there, Matt. But, you know, I, I was thinking about this and it's funny. I, I, I swear I was born with a natural tendency and a love of this stuff. Like I remember as a kid, I was just drawn to battles, like going to church as a kid. I was in the Old Testament stuff. It was always like any mention of a battle I would just gravitate to. I would draw big pictures of knights battling each other. Um, my toys that I wanted as a kid were either army men or medieval knights. Of course, I had the Star Wars action figures and Star Wars was a thing back then. Um, but really, when we talk about fantasy and sword and sorcery, you know, it was I just mentioned cartoon thunder the barbarian on saturday mornings that was a that was a big formative influence on me um 
even other things that are at best sword and sorcery adjacent, distantly adjacent. And I'm talking about a show like the gummy bears, for example, you guys remember that? <laughs> yes, <laughs> man. Bullshit. I can't believe I forgot to add and that. That, that dude, was huge. It was there so... Was, there was uh, some sword play and there, it was yeah. so quasi-medieval, but with cute, fluffy bears that, you know, were yeah. were, were chubby and funny. And, and but, but you felt but yeah, brought into that world. Right? That was. Time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this happened. Gummy bears or Care Bears? No, gummy, no, gummy bears. Not the There was a gummy bear cartoon? Yes, uh, that's your homework, Dean. Care Bears, <laughs> Care Bears, Care Bears were kind of bullshit. I mean, that was bullshit. That, they, that they, had, yeah. gummy bears, though. That yeah. was uh, yeah, dashing and daring, courageous and caring. Me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. I am here to say that I think I grew up in the best time period for cartoons ever. Um, there were no gummy bears in my the song fills the air. <laughs> I did not expect this to happen. Oh, I, could, <laughs> I could sing that whole thing. They bounce yeah. here and there and everywhere. Okay? Yes, they do. Yeah. Dean, they used to chug gummy berry juice and it made them bounce. Okay? <laughs> and so they could take out the evil Duke Igthorn and his army of ogres. Oh, wow. Yes, there was ogres. And there was a definitely some D&D bleeding into that show. Oh, I swear yeah. to God. There absolutely 100%. was. Hold on. I did, admire did, did gummy you, bears Brian, come up? I admire you, Brian, for admitting I admitted that. this. <laughs> that didn't make, make it a, into Flame and Crimson. Yeah, I was about <laughs> to say. Man, we got a, the, the special edition, 2025 edition, is going to have a second gummy printing right there. There's your second revised edition. Yeah. Where I was going with that, though, that wasn't like formative. It was just something mm -hmm. in the air along with all this other stuff. But I mean, the, the right. formative, really the formative pieces for me were, um, I'll get to role playing in a minute, but it was almost like, I call it the Conan confluence. So. Um, I had two things happen to me probably when I was, I, I, I wish I could remember the exact year, 11, 12 years old. I mentioned, I alluded to one earlier on the show. So it, I believe it was on HBO at the time. Conan the Barbarian was coming on. So I would have been about 11 years old and I was begging my dad and me and my brother to watch this. And he had seen it before because HBO would run these movies over and over again. Um, he knew there was violence and nudity and he, finally caved he said we could watch it but we had to close our eyes during the the bad parts <laughs> so he had come home from work he probably had a couple of beers and he fell asleep on the couch <laughs> i don't know why that makes it more funny <laughs> like 1980s dad he's like yeah i know been working all day it's gonna hammer a it few was. beers let my kids watch go to the barbarian <laughs> He was a blue collar guy. He, he was an engineer. He worked with his hands and yeah, he drinking beer and was probably smoking cools. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Which he did as a young man, but he fell asleep and we, we promised that we would do this, but of course we, we didn't. And we watched for like two hours just of just mayhem, bloodshed, nudity, beheadings, uh, Valeria. <laughs> I mean, it I'm, was I'm, I mean, uh, as, as an 11 year old kid. <laughs> I don't even know what he looks like. I, I'm picturing him. He's sitting in the, he's sitting in the, uh, you know, Marco lounger. Little, yeah. He's sitting in the lounger. He's asleep. He's partially storm. You're seeing Valeria's breasts are exposed on screen. Yep. Young Brian's looking at the screen like, oh, he's looking back. He's looking back. Make sure his dad's still asleep. Brother's his hand is almost up. over his eyes in case dad yeah. wakes up. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was in, it was in the ballpark. My fingers were spread wide apart the way. It was like the, uh, the Vulcan yeah, hand salute. Live, yeah. live long and prosper. Yeah. yeah. 
well, that was awesome. one. What an awesome story. Yeah. Uh, and at, so around the same time, and this one I actually do cover in Flame and Crimson. Uh, I was lucky enough to grow up in a, in a hometown of Reading, Massachusetts, that actually had an old secondhand bookstore in it that I could walk to. And it was reasonably priced. And I found in that one day I was in there, I was buying at the time the classic Marvel comic books, you know, your Spider-Man, Avengers, that type of stuff, which I still love. And I love then still do. Um, but there was a box on the floor. Okay. Unmarked cardboard box that had a bunch of metal magazines standing upright, unbagged, no, no backers on them. I just pull one out and it's Savage Sword of Conan. I think it was number 26. And they had, there was, must've been over a hundred back issues. And these things were like a buck a piece that someone had written a pencil, a price, what they wanted for them on right on the magazine itself. So I was just enthralled with the black and white artwork. I was seeing like guys getting their hands chopped off and um, there was full articles in there. They, they, there was one, it was like a, it was a red Sonia. It, it was pictures from a convention and she was this hot woman dressed up in a red Sonia bikini. Oh, and I was like 11 years probably, old. Uh, going, uh, it was probably Wendy, Wendy, Wendy Pini, uh, Wendy Pin Panini, Wendy Panini, <laughs> <laughs> the girl who does Elf, Elf Quest. Yeah, I think this oh, was, yeah. um, no, was this is something else. It was something else. This was an actual photograph of a cosplayer from a convention oh. who was dressed oh. up as Red Sonia. And I, so it had articles. It had, of course, the, the original Rari H stories in them by John Buscema and Frank Frazetta covers all over the place, you know, some of those early issues. So I would go in there every week and I got a $5 a week allowance. I would spend almost all of it and save enough for a Coke and a candy bar on the way home. I'd pick up at a drugstore on the way home and I would go home and read these magazines. And I was in that world and mm. sounds cheesy, but it, it happened. It, I was swept up. And that was my introduction to Conan. And the same bookstore had also all of the old Lancer, the, the, the Conan sagas that I could buy for 50 cents to 85 cents. I bought all those up and I was, I was hooked, man. Um, right then. I remember being at the point where um, the, you know, the Lancers were not in, they weren't published at the time when I would be, when I would have been looking for them and known about them. So I remember going to flea markets and every time I'd see one of those. And actually, that's probably my first exposure to Frazetta. I was, I was trying to imagine um, when that would have been. But yeah, those yeah. those books were just gems at flea markets um, yeah. and anything. And, and I think back to like, you know how they used to have certain ones with the um, other characters that were not Conan, but they'd say by the writer of Conan. Right. Yes. So I would have bought was, yeah. I would have bought those, too, but I may not have purchased those had I not known. Yeah, they were slapping by the uh, you know, yeah by the author of Conan on about, about everything back then, just like Lord yeah. of the Rings. That was that was a marketing phenomenon. Use <laughs> ripping off that name to sell anything. But yeah, I mean that mm -hmm. was the big one. And and Dean, I'll probably kick it over to you in a minute here. But the other big one, which we've been talking about all along, is Dungeons and Dragons, and it was specifically the Tom Moldvay basic. And I can tell you right now, I st I still have my copy. It is, uh, it is beyond well dog ear. It is well loved, <laughs> but it's 64 pages, the entire manual. And that covers everything. It covers character creation, all the spells, all the monsters, how, how to create yeah. a, 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 a scenario, 
um, the recommended reading, everything in there in 64 pages. Mm -hmm. Yes, it only takes you levels one through three. Yes, there are no uh, races or classes. So you, you can be an elf, you know, when you're yeah, yeah, yeah. magic. That was a class. It was a class. <laughs> yeah. It was so the options are very limited, but it's in some way it's liberating because you've only got a limited number of choices. You can get right in the game. You can roll up the character in about three and a half minutes. And you're playing, and we're and you're playing keep uh, you know keep on the Borderlands, which was came in yeah. that box set. And you started uh, with six hit points. That's right, if you were lucky. And a regular <laughs> and, and a sword did one d eight. Oh, it was deadly die with one hit. <laughs> that game was a deadly game. That's why you needed henchmen. You needed to have like all these NPCs that you would just push in there and let them fall in the ten yeah. foot trap, you know, twenty foot pit traps, and yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I was, we played Dungeons and Dragons for four hours. Yes. Yeah. And then I was and slain by an elf. I, uh, <laughs> I have to say one more thing. I was sitting eating dinner last night and my daughter was out in the other room and she was watching, which I haven't seen yet, Stranger Things. And they were talking about the eye and hand of Vecna. And I heard that and I stopped dead in my tracks. I said, oh, my God, that's Dungeons and Dragons. She's like, yeah. I know, Dad. It's Stranger Things. <laughs> yeah. Have you have I'm you not you watched, watched that? the show? I haven't, Matt. Oh, I it's so watched. it's so celebratory of yes, D and D and right. the nineteen eighties. Yeah, I have to see it. Yeah. It is, you know. And and honestly, it's it's obviously it's hugely popular, but it has it has a lot of charm. And yeah. if you like horror uh, and and 80s isms and Dungeons and Dragons, yeah, yeah, it's worth yeah. a watch. Yeah, uh, Brian, it is a show made expressly for people you, your, and my age. Well, okay. <laughs> now here's the thing. But Hannah this loves it. She's, only, she's a twenty year old. That's what I'm old. saying. I know, it's, I know. But I mean, for us, it is. You're gonna pick those things up. Yeah, it, okay. it's a, it's so it's almost like fan service for us. Yeah, awesome. and I I don't want to make it about Stranger Things, but I, yeah. I was thinking about that the other day. It is really remarkable. That you have a show that both hits people anywhere, you know, it gets your 40s and 50s, even 60 year olds mm -hmm. because of that nostalgia that's baked into it. Yeah. But it all, all, every, I teach middle school. My students, the day I came back, they were talking about season four and they were all just super excited. Hard mm -hmm. demographic to crack. Middle school kids and boomers. At the same that. time, it's brilliant. Yeah, that they get both, and that's probably why the show is doing so well. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So, Diener, G Money. All right. <laughs> well, um, I've got to preface this first off by saying your stories are so very similar, um, but they're awesome. And mine, I, I hope it measures up. But uh, I, I, I'm a few years older than than Brian. And I grew up in a very small town and my family was very poor. My father never made more than $24,000 a year. And now granted that was, you know, in the, the, you know, eighties and such, but um, I had what would be considered, I think a perfect childhood. I had really close, close friends, like not just a handful, but like dozens of really close friends. But we were poor and it was a small town. I grew up in a town of 50 people and our high school had 120 people in the grade school through high school. That was it. Wow. <laughs> you know, the what, town itself is only four state, uh, Illinois, little town called Claytonville, Illinois. And okay. I went to a school called in Cisna Park High School. 
and there was 120 people like, you know, in, in the entire high school and maybe another hundred people in the grade school. So like 240, 220 people, in the entire school's district. So getting stuff like this was very hard for me, but um, my earliest recommend, uh, recollection of anything that was geek or nerd related was Star Trek. I can't think of a time that it wasn't part of my psyche and what kind of makes me me. I just I don't know how I found it. I just knew that if I ran home from school after being dropped off at the bus, we still had to walk about a quarter mile to get home. If I ran fast enough, I could catch the last 45 minutes of it on the local station. But original? then on Yeah, the original, the original. But then on Sunday nights, if I climbed to the top of the house and turned the antenna to Chicago stations, I could get it on Sunday night. And I would watch oh, wow. it with my mother on a Sunday night at 1030 until 1130. I Hold can on. just picture you on the roof, Dean. Yeah, that is freaking awesome. Dean, <laughs> Dean climbed up on the roof to get good signal of the original Star Trek on a Sunday night at 1030 with his mother. Yes. To watch the original Star Trek. Yes. That's the most wholesome goddamn thing. I have ever heard in my life. It was it was great because you had to at that time, you know, you had to turn the antenna to get the especially in a rural area like us. Some of our friends in the big city, you know, where they, you know, like 4000 people, they had this new thing called cable. <laughs> I hope it wasn't a steeply pitched roof. I mean, I'm just picturing. You no, no, no. This was this. No, this was That's the, why he uh, is who he is, man. <laughs> this is the we didn't climb the roof. I climbed the actual antenna tower that went above the roof. Uh, oh my uh, okay. feels dangerous yeah. feels yeah. Dangerous you know like a, a radio tower <laughs> yes <laughs> you had to climb okay. up there and turn it so wow yeah this, oh this, he's he's wearing a nasa shirt he's climbing radio towers so that he can watch the original star trek you're worried about measuring up to our stories that's like the most cartoonishly dean thing <laughs> i can ever imagine. well it, it's true i mean you know and finally my father got a rotator what was the thing called a rotator where you could turn this big dial click 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 and then it would automatically turn the antenna but inevitably it would wind to the wire around itself so you still had to go up there and turn the antenna back the other way <laughs> so you, you, all those stories about back in my day we had to walk uh, to school five miles in the snow uphill both ways i mean you're like... he was he was physically manhandling antennas to listen to watch tv uh, you, like, uh, like that's that's a hell of a lot harder than than not having a remote control and having to get up to change the channel he had to get up on a effing roof to change the channel you did what you had to do <laughs> you did what you had to do that's you why everyone has back problems these days because yeah. they're not used to getting up to hold antennas or to get up to change the channel frequently that's you right. gotta work those muscles well, you ever see those 80s memes it was like you know his is an 80s remote control and it's a kid who's being asked to go right, off exactly. and turn yeah. it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was me my dad, dad like, sits on the chair with his peanuts hey the, the news is <laughs> The news is over. I watch Yee You know, my dad would make me <laughs> dirty old stand-up ashtray. Like curl uh, it at the TV. That's it. Is your yeah. I'll have to remind you why I never smoked or drank until I was 23 years old. I've never smoked, but I did not have any alcohol until I was 23 years old. Whoa! And it's definitely because of my father. But uh, it's another story. Um, <laughs> Anyway, next, but, next episode of Rose. Yeah, there you go. But you know, Star Trek was the thing that just 
caught my attention. It caught my attention. And that led me to start reading like Star Trek books. So I was reading a lot of Star Trek books. And also like you, Brian, everything, all of my friends were very military minded. Uh, not that they were part of military families necessarily, but, um, you know, we just gotten out of the Vietnam War. And it was not the war that anybody was really happy about. You know, mm -hmm. World War II was that last, you know, popular mm -hmm. war. And so that was a big part of our psyche and our makeup was, you know, uh, we would have BB gun fights and we would dress up in full regalia of World War II surplus stuff that we would find from so-and-so's uncle or so-and-so's dad or so-and-so's whatever. And we'd have full-blown BB gun fights that would have enough people in that we could actually do real tactics you know <laughs> and you're you know, still on both eyes which is which is impressive <laughs> well i almost shot out my best friend's eye but it fortunately hit his glasses and just caught him like right underneath where the tear duct is at um Boy. so that is that is that is the plot to a christmas story <laughs> like, Dean, how, how are you uh, becoming I everything i think you are <laughs> amazing sorry keep going i, I can't believe it no. I, I didn't this is incredible yeah so i mean you know we you know my play sets my place was were like the desert fox play set you know the german and american army army men say play sets and you know we would dig trenches in the sandbox and such and fill it up with gasoline and light it on fire and we'd have like huge you know bonfires of melted plastic soldiers and then we'd shoot the survivors with bb guns and such <laughs> and it was you know it was that type of stuff that you know we were living the things that were in our imagination in our brains and one day i don't even know how but one day i think it was we another thing that we used to do was we used to shoot bows and arrows at each other and it was not real bows and arrows, but it was like we would take all the arrow or the bows from the high school. They used to do archery. And these are like 20 pound bows. But in where I grew up, there's these things called horse weeds, which are these really long, tall bamboo like weeds. <laughs> During the fall, they would dry out and you would go. We would go harvest them, pull them out of the ground, knock the dirt off the end. And they had this beautiful, perfect point. And then you'd break them off at the end of uh, which is basically a growth joint of so i know what you're talking about right i do too yeah, we had right. those in our swamp next to us yeah, and same. if you shot same. them with a bow they flew just like an arrow they because they're really light yes out, right? exactly yeah. and so we would go and harvest them and we would have battles like asian core and things like that and all kinds of stuff there'd be horse horseweed shafts all over the yard and my father would just get so mad at us because We'd never pick them up and we'd just mow over them with the mower and they'd be scattered everywhere and stuff like that. But we also had like, uh, uh, you know, this was part of our psyche. So somebody gave me a book. I was reading military stories even as like a 10-year-old. Somebody gave me, I don't know if it was a Conan book or something to that effect, but it was a sword and sorcery book. And I thought, oh my God, they write stuff like this? <laughs> no they do so i discovered you know like sword and sorcery and and sci-fi and that type or not sci-fi but fantasy before i discovered you know like gaming gaming was still a big part of our lives and every time there was a snow day that was great because a snow day in our area meant you know you couldn't get the kids from the outer the hinterlands because 
you couldn't get the bus on the roads. But yet on a snow day, my friends who lived six miles away from me could get to my house, but we mm. couldn't get to the school. Right. Well, <laughs> what, what education was more valuable on those days? Exactly. Yep. So if a snow day came up, we'd call each other and say, hey, we're going to have a game day. So we'd either walk or get on the snowmobiles and get to somebody's house and we would play games like Risk for like eight oh, hours yeah. straight. Risk, another one. There's so many of these. Right. Yeah. And then other games like Tank Battle and, and all these other great military games, Carrier Strike and things like this. And then on a vacation one day. I'm traveling with my father and mom and brother, and I don't remember what state we were in, but we went to a, I don't even know if it was a truck stop or a variety store or something like that. I looked up on this shelf and there's this picture of this guy fighting a dragon or, or <laughs> something to that effect. And I was like, what is that? And the guy pulls it down. He says, it's this new game called Dungeons and Dragons. Sight unseen. <laughs> Never. New game new game never new game heard of it Dungeons before and dragons and <laughs> i'm looking at it and i'm all like all the kids are playing it yeah, yeah i'm looking at it like holy crap this is like you know what i'm you know it, it's a totally different game so i buy it with what money i had on vacation my money was earned by mowing cemeteries cutting wood for my father and working on a farm bailing hay Logan would have loved that, by the way. You talking about cutting wood for your father to make money to buy Dungeons and Dragons. He would have loved that. Well, that's what I did. Wow. So, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, I crack it open. I read through it. I bring it to my friends and they're all hooked because we're all of the same mindset. They're hooked on this. And so we at that point, we're playing games of Dungeons and Dragons like two days, three days out of the week and every weekend. Mm -hmm. We're even playing an English class with the English book in front of us. I've got the DM guy or another DM guy. I've got the, 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 the module behind me and we're like playing. We actually had a school bulletin outlawing Dungeons and Dragons during oh, school hours. I got to jump in. Oh, my yes. God. Dean, I have to jump in here for a second. And Matt, Matt, you're an educator, right? I mean, so yeah. and when, when I was in middle school, we got we got to pick an elective. And um, one of the electives that was off offered, so every Friday, seventh period, I got to play Dungeons and Dragons in school as an as an elective. We were playing this game during during school hours with the we teacher had a there, just like up, up at the front reading a newspaper. We'd all be playing D. We had like four or five groups of kids all playing games. Right wow, now. it was awesome. So awesome. Yeah, but Dean, you would have you were like almost in the satanic panic. Time, well, you? that's it's what like, I'm getting it's like, to. It's like Footloose. They banned yeah. dancing. They banned yeah. they banned Dungeons and Dragons. That's what I'm getting to. <laughs> because we're playing the basic version, right? And then uh over the summer, one of my friends goes to his cousins or his uncle, I can't remember, and he comes back, he goes, Oh my gosh, you know that game we're playing, Dungeons and Dragons? I just played another version of it. And I was like, What do you mean, another version? It was the advanced Dungeons and Dragons Ooh. first edition. And mm. that changed my life because at that point, Appendix N came into my life. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Appendix N, along with my um, uh, librarian, who was a nerd himself, and I think his, his radar was on. He knew that I was a nerd and the other kids. He handed me things like Lord of the Rings and 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 uh, uh, Fafford and the Grey Mouser and things like this. Did, did Appendix N start in AD&D or prior? 
AD and D. AD and D. It was in the Dungeon okay. Master's yeah. Guide. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because because I I knew it. Um, yeah. Because that's where I started. Yeah. But I mean, and like I said, uh, small community, and I was kind of on the poor side, and finding you have to excuse my dogs barking. Um, getting books was hard. But there was always somebody's older brother who had been reading books like the Conan books and stuff who was willing to share them. But I had a friend of mine who his father owned a variety store. I remember it was called VNS Variety. I don't know what VNS stood for, but maybe Brian, you can remember these. Hopefully, Matt, you do too. You go to these little kitschy type of places where you can buy everything from greeting cards to suppositories you right <laughs> <laughs> um, sometimes it was the same thing right and weird. there were these stuck in a corner because nobody ever bought from them were these round metal rotating racks full of books oh yeah you know, oh yeah that you would spin wire, wire spinners yeah, yeah. those were and, everywhere drug stores right and that was my thing whenever we had the chance to go to a store or whatever that would be i'd be looking for the book section and spinning and that's how i got all the books that i started to read yeah. and i read them voraciously um like you said matt you know there was a point where you just became a champion reader right mm. you know and mine was, was in university for jane austen bullshit but oh uh, no mine was mine was early on i was in 12 13 14 years old just reading this stuff voraciously I don't yeah. feel like I'm going to sound like an old fart, but I don't feel like kids are exposed enough to these physical objects anymore, like books and a wire spinner on yeah. a drug store with games in them. You know, it's like that's how we encounter them. And it's I think that there's, there's too many. It's just it's more fun and more mm -hmm. distracting. Mm -hmm. to just watch a TikTok video and do that over and over again you know, rather, it, rather than that's you know, that's counter this stuff. That's part of my the reason part of the reason i'm buying all these masters of the universe well originally i didn't plan on buying tons and tons and tons but like for my kid i thought like action figures is something more tactile you have to use your imagination mm -hmm. they're super cool characters uh you know they're fun i mean it obviously went beyond that for my collecting purposes but <laughs> yeah. we oh, do we do story. we do play with them we set them up we have imaginative so cool. battles right um because I, I i've agree, seen man. some on the discord server that's right i do <laughs> the whetstone Discord. it's like that's all i post there people are talking about deep scholarly things and i'm like okay. check out these horde troopers <laughs> stinkor <laughs> well, let's hear more about stinkor oh gosh yeah. Oh, wow. So, I mean, you know, my, my geekdom, my nerddom, I wore on my sleeve. I flew that geek flag high in high school. But fortunately, I was I had good friends, both in the popular and the nerdy crowd and stuff like that. So, you know, I never experienced that. Oh, you're a weirdo type of stuff. That that was never me. And a lot of people were I didn't know it then. I know it now looking back, but I was kind of the instigator in the leader of a lot of these things so i did i created a thing basically it was called barbarians this is how nerdy i was rules on how to fight each other with wooden swords on a battlefield you know you had your clans and such and i did this with my history teacher he was also a big impetus who is the man who introduced me to conan the barbarian in 1982 he invited a bunch of us kids over to his house he offered <laughs> he offered to sit and we were like 82 82 i was 15 years old 16 years old he invites all these boys over to his house to watch conan the barbarian he had rented it on vhs because the movie theater for us was 50 miles away 
and he's having a beer and we're drinking pop and eating pizza and stuff like this. And we're watching this and we're like blown away. And that's where, you know, that's, I knew about Conan already. And it was kind of the same experience as when I had, when Lord of the Rings came out, I had only read the stories and now it was being shown to me. It was very impactful. It was very, you know, uh, life-changing and he and I were very good friends and we're still good friends. We developed, and he said he couldn't be part of it because it would be wrong to hit a kid with a stick. Um, but you but, can invite tons of kids over to your house and show them Conan the Barbarian. Right? They are your students. Yes. I did that today, you guys. You yeah. did? No. Oh. If, you did, if, if you did, if you did, yeah. Not no, it was me. amazing. The 80s were the best time to grow yeah, up, I swear. Crazy. I swear. That is so crazy. Yeah. Awesome. You can, you can yeah. Get amazing. We we used to build swords and axes and things and beat the living tar out of each other. <laughs> um yeah. we would what? have to you know those round toboggan sh- uh sleds? Yep. Those were our shields. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We decided to step down from the steel pipes and gutter spikes for hilts as swords and go to wooden snow lath made into swords that way wrapped with duct tape because the steel pipe would eventually break somebody's head or bones. Yeah. Um, Not but, a good choice. That one. Yeah. We did that too. We, we did, uh, we used to call it whack each other with sticks. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's what it was. We had certain rules. Like you weren't supposed to like wail on somebody. You're just trying to like hit them. Yeah. But I mean, I got poked in the eye once. That was close call. I got uh, shot in the face with an arrow. Mm. You still got the be, scar right there. You could never tell. Dean. You're very handsome. You're right there. <laughs> My friend Brian, and I, Br- Brian has like 12 beer bottles in front of him right now. He's like, yeah, Dean, you, you're looking good. Don't worry about it. Uh, no, we were shooting arrows in the doing. house. I, I need to have a drink and I'm on roads yeah. in the house. Yeah, that's right. You got yeah, we were shoot, shooting arrows at each other, and his arrow went a little awry. Instead of going straight, it went straight up, and I lost it in the sky. And when I looked up, it was coming down, and it hit me right in the chin and stuck in. Wow. Yeah, what yeah, I love, Dean, though, is you, you, you would talk about how you said you used back then I would let my, my geek flag fly. And meanwhile, you're, you're sitting here with a NASA t shirt on. So, well, I mean, you know, <laughs> it's still flying, man. And that's kind of where I'm going. It's like, like all of us, we still have our passions and yes. I never gave up on any of my passions. Um, yep. It's one of those things that uh, I'm very happy with how things turned out for me um, in terms of, you know, my loves and things like that, but I never gave up on any of the passions that I had. I still am a huge Trek fan, love sword and sorcery, love Lord of the Rings, love, you know, I still do, you know, I used to do some uh, HEMA, the martial arts, the European martial arts stuff. Uh, combat fencing, all that kind of stuff. I mm-hmm. collect the stuff and reenacting. So it was one of those things that you know, you I never give it up, man. Never you gave know. up on it. I mean, what there was, was a it, few uh, things. C.S. Lewis, what was his quote? When I became a man, I put away childish things, including the fear of childishness. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, we're we're still all loving this stuff in a different yeah. way, but yeah. it 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 obviously became part of our lives. And now and then our next our kids, you know, I'm just so pleased that my daughter Hannah was has been into Stranger Things. She actually, I I have I did give up D and D a while back. I'm not saying I will never play it again. I still may. Um, we did a one shot with uh, fifth edition with a friend of mine who was a DM who was DMing back when I was playing 
hardcore and she wanted to play it because she saw it on stranger things and we had a blast so the next generation Excellent. man bringing them yeah Excellent. That, that's what i'm seeing too um we started a dungeons and dragons club at my school and this like stranger things is definitely making people interested mm-hmm. yep. for, for for every kid it's kind of raising questions because everyone's watching it but for those who would be attracted to that sort of thing i mean that's your that's their entry point yep. yeah um yeah. i was as you said matt i mean i was part of the not part of but i experienced in a very small way the satanic panic of D. Yeah. um there were friends of mine whose parents would not let them play anymore because of the whole you know the the, the propaganda uh against it and even my mother questioned one time she goes why well, heard that it was like devil worshiping and i said mom it's a game and we're just having fun, uh, fun, and we're always here. Have you heard us like summon anybody? Yeah. And she's like, oh, yeah, okay, <laughs> whatever. So I think I've just made a decision over this podcast, which is um, uh, my political leanings are now going to be, if I look at someone, a candidate or a party, and I say that's the kind of person who would have supported the satanic panic, who would have tried to ban <laughs> D&D, I'm out. <laughs> you need to not be in charge of things. That's if, funny. If you were that guy, you got to yeah. go. Yeah. Agreed. So, uh, Brian, you brought up an interesting topic, which is kind of a good segue to one of the questions that Matt had posted earlier is, um, what's something that you used to love? What's something that we all used to love that we maybe not have fallen out of? love with but we just don't follow anymore you know one of those things that was a big thing for you i mean i i know for myself right off the bat it's an easy answer and that's star wars star wars yeah i loved star wars in 70 was 77 right Mm -hmm. 77 i loved star wars empire strikes back and return of the jedi loved 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 them read books about them i didn't collect any of this stuff but i i dug it i dug it and Honestly, it wasn't 10 years after that, maybe 15 years after that, that I couldn't really care less about Star Wars. Yeah, I still like the original trilogy. Um, it still has some magic in it for me. Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. But And I, I, I did get a thrill. I will say I, I liked The Force Awakens. I saw it with my daughter and I enjoyed Same. it because she, she was really into it and it had the, the powerful female character, Ray. Uh, I, but it had all it, it had hit a lot of the same beats as a new hope, which I just call Star Wars. Um, but I hated the the prequels. I thought they sucked and I, unwatchable. And unwatchable. I'm tired of pretending they are. Yeah, they're, they're not watchable. And I haven't really been interested in anything since I haven't gotten I haven't watched one episode of The mm-hmm. Mandalorian. I know people seem to like that, but that has fallen off the radar for me yeah. totally. And uh, I don't know. I don't have a good experience explanation why it just did um i think i just had filled up with too many other things and something had to fall off you know part of it is for honestly i agree with you um and i would say more than anything that is uh, my answer would be the same as yours dean um i was i loved star wars as a kid i loved star wars as much as i loved conan and he-man it was just huge um my younger brother and i were really big into it um when the prequels were coming out, I was high school age. So it was mass excitement. And I even remember the first one. I was like, yeah, that was cool. And then it slowly, slowly dawned on me that it wasn't cool. And then by the time <laughs> Attack of the 
uh, attack the surge surge of the clones or whatever the christ <laughs> it's called came out i was like this is just unwatchable yeah. and like hayden christensen showed up like okay anyways <laughs> i i just i hate it i hate those movies so much and yeah. it's not it's not because i'm like you destroyed my childhood it's just they're not competent films there's just mm-hmm. nothing the effects no. suck the story's stale the CGI, yeah, the, 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 the acting is atrocious. Mm-hmm. I don't care about the characters even for a second. I want them all to die. Worst love um, story ever. Totally unbelievable. Yeah. Was that even in? I don't know. I think <laughs> I just passed out during that. But no, man, Star Wars is it for me too because it was huge. And now I really, I care enough that if I hear something about it is really good, like I'll check it out. Like I do think The Mandalorian's a great show. Um, and even Boba Fett, I was like, yeah, it was fine. I guess it was entertaining, but being fanatic about it. And the fact that that fandom is so wide and gross sometimes, um, I mean, I think all fandoms are gross, but I just, Mm -hmm. it's because they're, it's kind of a, it's kind of a bit of like, absolutely the fandom. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm also hipster like in the sense that it's too mainstream now and I'm not interested. It's, it's the most vanilla nerd thing you can do. Well, that's true. Yeah, I'll go out on a limb. And I would say that if you were able to administer a truth serum to Star Wars fans, that they feel much the same way, but they are too loyal to their IP to give Mm -hmm. it any, you know, shade. That and nostalgia is, and, and this is the thing, this is where I agree with them. If, if something hits on your particular brand of nostalgia, the things that you want, it is powerful. And mm-hmm. so some of us escape the net of Star Wars. But here's the other thing I'll always say about Star I'll always say it, and I will believe it to my marrow, is that if you removed the soundtrack from Star Wars, the music, mm. it wouldn't be, I think you'd lose about a good 40% of its fame. Yeah. You could I say really, that about I, any good movie. I could. I could. And like single, Conan the Barbarian would be 50% of a film. Yeah. Like the things that are there are really cool, but it is the music that makes you, that keeps you coming back. Can it's, we, can we debate something on that? Sure. To, um, the movie, hopefully you've seen it. The movie Legend. Oh, yes. Okay. Weird soundtrack. Looking. Weird soundtrack by Tangerine Dream. Yeah. Right. A German synth electro pop group right yeah they apparently tried to put a new soundtrack on that sometime in the past Mm. kind of a more medieval style and it didn't work no i don't i don't think it like i actually kind of dig that soundtrack yeah but people hated that soundtrack they're like what is this but then Mm -hmm. when they tried to watch it again without that soundtrack it didn't work Mm -hmm. i saw that in the theater when it came out and i remember liking it because oh, I it, loved it. Visually, I was beautiful. Loved it. Exactly. I, I, I haven't had years to go back and watch it because it, it didn't leave me with a lasting impression. No, and it doesn't really come together. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the the look and the, oh, I mean, stunning. it's kind of peerless. Like, even looking at Jim Henson, other, like, Labyrinth and things like yeah. that, they all look really great and lived in the Dark Crystal. But there's something about that one. But that's Ridley Scott's. Uh, right. He's such a visual filmmaker. Like anything mm. he does looks gorgeous. Let's face it. Tim Curry as darkness, mm. the devil. Yes. Has there ever been any other 
character that has been done so well. Yeah, man. Curry. Yeah. And that's it, man. That's the other bit about, I mean, I guess I'm, I shouldn't be attributing it all to Ridley Scott, but he's just those kinds of details always work. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. just always has that at like 10 out of 10. So in yeah. terms of other things I've moved away from, I'm, I'm going to pull the old, sound like an old fart now because I kind of am, you know, I've, I've moved away from a lot of the things I, and I don't, these still are great things for, for most people. I just, I moved totally away from video games. When people talk about video games these days, I don't know anything about them. I, I don't know. I, 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 the last video game I remember playing is like Bard's Tale on an Apple II or Wizard's Crown. I mean, you know, floppy disk games. It's been a long time and I'm, I'm totally out of touch, but I get it. And, and they, they look stunning. Um, I'm, I am. That is so far in the rearview mirror for me. Brian, you have hit on the next question that we wanted to pose to you and to each other was, what's a thing, an IP or a, a geeky, nerdy thing that you never loved despite it being popular? And I think you just answered that question. Video games, was that something that just never caught on for you? Well, I liked him as a kid. I did. I was an Atari kid. I played a little. I was a big time Atari 2600 and some mm -hmm. Nintendo. I played some of those old school RPG games, you know, I mentioned Bard's Tale or Wizardry, uh, but I, I don't know. I, I, I never, I, I lost touch with that quickly See, and, and it, it, uh, I was out. Yeah. Pretty, pretty a, early. A lot of this is generational, right? Cause Dean really has no real history or love from video games. From what I understand, Brian I mean, less. So he's slightly yeah. younger and then me, but that's what I'm going to say. Even I'm 39, I'm about to be 40. Um, I still like video games but I spend very little time on them. I still look a little bit in, um, you know, into the news about them, what's happening, what's coming out and the odd time I will play one and I'll devour it, but then I won't play video games for like mm -hmm. three months or four yeah. months and, and something won't hook me. Yep. So uh, I wonder if, you know, it's purely anecdotal from this point of view, but I wonder if that's a generational thing, right? Like, well, um, I was on the cusp of, console video games with Ataris and Nintendos and the Magnavox Odyssey game, which oh, wow. was the was standalone. Yeah, that was the Betamax of video games. It was the actual superior version of all video games and consoles, but it had such bad marketing that it yep. failed. Yeah, it was so good. So and I played those things and but did not play again until my kids got an Xbox. And then at that point I was, I guess you would call I was a follower or a tag along. I would play the couch co-op versions of Halo or Dragon <laughs> Age or something like that so that they could carry my sorry ass along mm -hmm. while playing the video game. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, you have no hope of keeping up with the kids. Right? Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and yeah i just want to be clear too that like or we're talking about things that we no longer like or things that we're not into it is in no way suggesting you shouldn't be no um, not as, i don't want to sound like an elitist like this no, is, no 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 no, heck no, no, no. Stuff. this heck is purely this is this whole the whole point of this podcast was a or this episode was like a personal exploration right like what's yep. what's behind your fandom yeah um I also moved away from um, most high fantasy. You know, I, when I was a kid, yeah, same. Um, I, I mentioned my Conan experiences, but at that time it was, 
Dragonlance was huge. You had the Shannara books, Terry Brooks. And I read those. You know, there was a lot of Tolkien clones. There was this guy, Dennis McKiernan, who did the Dark the Dark Tower trilogy. Um, Dark is Rising trilogy, I think it was called. I don't remember now. It was a Tolkien ripoff. It was a million of these, and I can't even read these anymore. You know, I, yeah. I, I did read A Song of Ice and Fire. I read, and I loved the first three books. Book four, Feast Ugh. for Crows, fell off tremendously. It didn't really go anywhere. Yeah, it I did fall I, off, I, but I, I still I like it. I not be bothered with book five. I haven't even read, Matt, the last one. Uh, yeah, book, the last book, one he book, put out, Dance with Dragons. Book five, I think, was better than book yes. four. Yes. Book, yep. book four had some, it just, it, it basically, has moments. It focused on the characters you that I didn't want to care about. That I didn't care as much about. Yeah, but they're, they are kind of cool in their own merits that yeah. you go from book three and then you have to be like, oh yeah, you need to wait 10 years to hear from these, like in real time to hear about these other characters. Like, so if Martin never finishes the series, I will He's not. He's not going to. Straight I don't up. think he's going to. He's yeah. not going to. Uh, no Brian, uh, there is a new Dragonlance book being released at Gen Con mm-hmm. this year. By the original authors? Yes. Mm-hmm. Spice and Hickman? Okay, yep. wow. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and I still like the original trilogy. In fact, spoiler alert, I, I, I teared up a bit as a kid when, um, was it Sturm? The yes. Paladin is Sturm, yeah. Bright, Sturm Brightblade, wasn't oh it? He God, died in was, like book one, didn't he? Yeah, it was moving. I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. That same book, River He went up George R. R. Martin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they kill off a main character in the first book. But do you remember two was, uh, one of the things I remember from that book is that Black Dragon comes up out of that well and yes. sprays down Riverwind and just like, acid melton yeah but he survived yep like that but that to me was just such a dramatization of all of the sort of games you play yeah. right like but when i look at these people just pumping out trilogies and you know i never i never got on board with wheel of time people rave about it but i i just yeah. can't do it it's too much it's too much of a time commitment and i i and i can't stand world building i i like <laughs> i like when it's done with touches and you yes you work your way in with the stories first world mm-hmm. put it in is, is is in the background yeah pepper it in where it's necessary and then the world will before you know it it will be built right yep. But don't hit the brakes to build it. That's just absurd. I can't with that. That's why sword and sorcery rules, baby. Forget, yeah. forget high fantasy, man. Come to the yeah. Dark side. And I really, that's just it. This is the same <laughs> reason why I, I think you know, because with Joe Abercrombie, you know, obviously I've talked about being a fan of his. Um, I think a big appeal is that it just don't, it doesn't feel childish or silly. No. With you know, it's uh, it's not all about like edgy grittiness, but. In some cases, I want adult themes. Yeah. And the characters are well done. Yeah. I, I need Great to believe story. those yeah. characters. And yep. yeah, it's, it might just be part of getting older, right? There's yeah. a certain innocence that's lost where, let's go on an adventure. It's like, no, let's not. <laughs> like, the world is cold and vicious, and I'm just going to. Yeah. I'll stay home. I'll stay I've home not, uh, I've not, it. I've not I'll given my up. roof and, and move my antenna. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Turn your antenna to something new like me. I've never given up on high fantasy, but I just haven't read anything that's piqued my interest um, well enough that keeps me from. I mean, well, the I thing just, is, I reread the Silmarillion and the Lord of the Rings uh, last year. So those are the exceptions for me. Right. Like, but I mean, also, that's the Bible for me. There. I could do high fantasy <laughs> if the themes were a little more adult or the characters were more, it was more about the characters. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, those books exist. I know they do. But if, if the antagonist is the darkness, 
Like, no, no, that is stupid. Yeah. It's that uh, it's not, it's, it's, that's the oldest story in the book is good versus evil. Right. Right. And if you're doing that, it should kind of almost be overtly childish or you should turn it on its head. Mm-hmm. Right. Like masses of the universe is light versus dark. Star Wars is light versus dark, but you got to do something with it. If you're looking to have some kind of um, yeah. adult themes. Right. Yeah. Stinkor, light or dark? Stinkor is <laughs> Stinkor. You know he skirts the line because he's funny because he stinks, right? <laughs> um, but he's he's part of the uh, evil warriors, so I don't. Okay, you know. I wish that I wish that the stinkor that sprayed my dog about a month ago smelled like patchouli instead of something else. Hey, hang on a second, Dean. Did we not did we not remark on that? Because I remember when your dog got sprayed by a skunk. Did we not make a stinkor joke? No, we did not. Well, we did now. You you did. Yeah. If only uh, these skunks spat out patchouli. That's right. By spat, I mean that their butt nipple shot it out. That's right. That's right. Oh my gosh, he still has. Oh, the skunk every once in a while when he gets wet. Yeah. So, uh, um, the thing that I dislike that everyone likes, not everyone, but there's, there's this, there's this one nerd property that like, I it's, it's absolutely as relevant as other things that I like, but for whatever reason, it just has never struck a chord with me. Got any guesses? It's popular. <sighs> it's from the eighties. It's, I mean, standing right next to Masters of the Universe, pretty much. Oh, wow. Um, oh, Transformers. Yeah, I can't. I okay. cannot. Giant robots. I, I never I caught on with that either. I never yeah. did. I mean, yeah, that was. Never did. Even G.I. Joe was cool. I, I still, yeah. I got some love for G.I. Joe. I got love for like the Ninja Turtles, uh-huh. and, you know, those kind of childish things. But like um transformers man never worked for me i like the old cartoon i never did watch any of the modern stuff um none of oh the gosh Zero yeah that's first, yeah but i mean even just like the whole i look at those toys and i have no nothing right yeah there's just nothing there i'm like i don't it's not even doesn't even look cool to me the only cool part was Soundwave because of his awesome voice Remember that he, guy? He was a tape deck dude. Yeah, you could put the tape deck in it. I mean, that, that's a that's a cool gimmick. There's no question. All you, you had know, to do to dated technology. Yeah, all you had to do to stop him was to like pull his tape out. Yeah, or just just hit the stop button. He's over. You're talking about something that's dated. Hey, look at me! I want to shoot a tape at you. Yeah, uh, you Optimus Prime. You can fix him with a pencil. You can fix yeah. that guy with a pencil if you just See, wound that, that tape yeah, back in. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> Today he'd be MP3 man, yeah. <laughs> and like he would just have those like really crappy fragment blips where like you get the poorly ripped MP3s and they're just like oh, yeah. hollow sounding. Yeah. That's his weakness. Oh my god, what are we talking about? This show's been going on forever. Let's call it. Yeah, I think that we've done a really good deep dive into what made yeah. us who we are. Our, our nostalgia our here, geek origin stories. I hope everybody enjoyed it. I really enjoyed hearing from you guys. I was yeah, like, I, lo- I loved all those stories. Those were great. It's amazing how um, Brian, you and I, I think had very similar uh, mindsets and such. Mm-hmm. Um, and Matt, you had some things that, even though you're separated by a you know good 15, 20 years from me, mm-hmm. very similar in some aspects. So I think that we all, you know, our Venn diagrams overlap a lot. Yes, they do. Yeah, for sure. And I like that we have these sort of range of ages, right? Yep. Yeah. Like because that that 
I don't know. There's, there's things to pull from that. I think like if I listen back to this episode, I might have some observations, but yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. My wife has always said, I don't know how you survived your childhood doing the things you did. <laughs> so, yeah. But, well, yeah, good stuff. You know, nostalgia is a powerful thing. And, yeah. um, but it's good that we're still engaging with new properties and we've, you know, we've sort of introducing next generation to this. So it's, yeah. That's part of it, but um, and that we are making enough money to buy back our nostalgia. That's right. <laughs> They're selling it to us, commoditized. That's part right. It's like, <laughs> and how we're did I? It up. How did I? All like the amount of money I put into plastic. Yeah. Within a year. <laughs> yeah. Just stupid. Don't yeah. even think about it. Just roll yeah. Back. No, I don't. I don't. It, I don't care. It's for money, the whatever. You can always make more money, Matt. <laughs> yeah. You can always, always make more money. That's so. right. All right, well, Matt, uh, why don't you take us out? All right, I'll take us out. Um, I'm going to probably put a bonus track on at the end, so you should listen uh, after the credits. And if you've not been doing that on this show, uh, that's okay, because we're kind of inconsistent with it. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. But they are there. They are there sometimes. They're they're often there, um, and we just like to disappoint you the other times. So... Uh, thanks for listening to our stories I'm sure your stories uh, you have similar tales we'd like to hear about them so you know post them in the comments post them wherever Um, celebrate in this crazy nerdy business that we do and make sure that your swords always remain sharp Gummy bears dancing here and there and there. No, wait. Did you, did you expect that here one? and there and everywhere? High want- adventure that's beyond compare. They are the gummy Okay. High adventure that's beyond compare. The 80s were fucking awesome. <laughs> Basically what that's about. Yep. Yeah, I you put that part in. You got to bleep the fuck though. Since <laughs> when? You gotta put, I, I don't. I can't say the fucks. I'm a public servant, man. That's right. I can't bring kids over to my house and show them Conan the Barbarian. This is 2022. We can't introduce kids to the gummy bears and drop an f bomb right in the middle of.